Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 20 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Becchione. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome to Facets Fridays, sponsored by Facets. And today, I'll be speaking with Lynn and Claire also. Lynn did our first Facets Friday episode on September 14th, 2021, and that was episode 81. Today, I'll be speaking with Lynn and Claire about how the neurobehavioral model transformed their family. If you want more information about FACETS, you can visit FACETS at F-A-S-C-E-T-S dot org. That's FACETS dot org. And now, our FACETS Friday episode. Welcome. This is our last Facets Friday. And fittingly enough, we are having our first Facets Friday guest with her daughter to kind of close out this this Facets Friday series that um, we've just been so blessed to have. And if you ever listen to any of our episodes, I, I talk about Facets and brain-based parenting and the neurobehavioral model so many times because it's transformed our family. And this episode is super special because Lynn Alsup and Claire, her daughter, Claire Alsup, will be talking about how the kind of like the before and after, you know, the before learning about the brain, learning about diagnoses, and then after the brain-based parenting, thinking about the brain first, and that transformation. And, and I can certainly relate to it as a mom because we had that transformation too. So that lengthy introduction, I am so happy to welcome Lynn Alsup and Claire Alsup. Lynn and Claire, welcome to FASD Hope. Thank you, Natalie. We're so glad to be here. Mm-hmm. So Lynn, I'm going to start quickly with you. You were our guest, our first Facets Friday guest on episode 81, which aired September 14th, 2021, over a year ago. And we talked about facets in their neurobehavioral model and how kind of, it was like a facets 101 kind of episode. We really just Mm -hmm. talked about what the neurobehavioral model is and how it transformed your family and how it transformed your life. So can you just give us a quick update for our listeners about what you do and your role in facets and also if you can give us an update about your upcoming memoir. Absolutely. Yeah, Natalie, thank you. Um, So I'm a program director at Facets now. We have a wonderful team. It's, It's such a privilege to get to be a part of it. Working on um, just getting the information out there in every way we can, really trying to look at the neurobehavioral model all the time and talk about, you know, what is in alignment with the model, what might be kind of divergent from the model, and how can we best support families, professionals, um, really learning and growing in the neurobehavioral model. And so we offer everything online right now, webinars, um, which has been wonderful. One of the strange kind of upside down gifts of COVID. Um, So we have ongoing 
sessions really throughout the year, just one following after the other. And I get to be a part of those introductory sessions as well as training trainers. Um, we have, I think, 68 maybe certified facilitators now um, all over the world, which is super exciting. So it's really great to see um, the work of Diane Malbin, you know, originally just spreading out across the world for the sake of, of people with FASD and other brain-based conditions and um, their families and the professionals who support them. That's um, a lot of the work that I do at Facets. And I wear a few other hats as well in my life. Um, and I am working right now, like you said, on publishing a memoir that um, She Writes Press will be publishing on September 12th of next year. So just in time for FASD Awareness Month. And um, we're really excited about the story of how not understanding brain-based conditions affected our family and then the transformation that happened for all of us once we had a clearer understanding of what was happening. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. That's fantastic. And we'll be listing facets information about those webinars in today's program notes, as well as on our social media posts. That, that's fantastic. So we're just going to dive right into this conversation. I can definitely relate to today's topic. We're talking about before diagnosis, traditional parenting before the things that weren't working, and then learning, learning about everything, learning about, you know, getting a diagnosis, learning about how the brain works and how the brain works differently. And then taking that brain-based neurobehavioral brain-based model into parenting, into work, into school, into just every aspect of your life and how it really transforms, you know, and I, I like to tell people, you know, that I, I consider brain-based parenting, brain-based everything. It's a tool. And just like any tool, um, it, it works if you use it and it, it, it sometimes it needs tweaking. And sometimes it may not always work, but it it helps in the in the moments where it may not work. You have to be kind of an investigator and think, OK, well, what what why is it not working now? You know, so mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, I think that I'm just so thankful for facets and, and what we learned through our journey. So now we're going to talk about your family's journey. So Lynn and or Claire, whoever wants to answer first. When did you first learn about your diagnosis and what challenges were you and your family facing at that time? So I think I'll direct that to Claire first. Um, I think we first learned about my diagnosis when I was 16, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. Before my diagnosis, I was just having a lot of trouble with everything. Um, remembering things, keeping things in order, being able to, I think my mom called it, oh, my mom calls it 
executive functioning. I had a hard time with my executive functioning. So I just needed a lot of support, but I also wasn't in the space to be able to ask for it. So it was a lot of struggling with knowing that I function differently than I than some other people and also knowing that I didn't quite know what I needed, but then not being able to ask for the help as well. So just a lot of confusion and chaos. And I'm really thankful, Claire, you're bringing up that point about being in the space to ask for it, because I think that's something that as people get older, they're more comfortable with being in that space. But when you are in the beginning of learning about how your brain works and can be very difficult to, to know how to ask for that. So I'm really thankful you're bringing that up, Claire. So Lynn, anything you want to add to Claire's insight? Well, I think one of the things that we talk about at Facets a lot is the difference between not doing something because you won't do it and not doing something because you can't do it in the way that people are asking you to. Um, and we were definitely in the world of won't do it. You know, I think we all believed that um, if Claire just tried harder, if we as her parents just tried harder, that she could do everything the way we expected her to, you know, that school would work better, that everything would work better um, if she would just try harder. And um, what we didn't know was that she was actually trying harder than any of us, you know, that she was um, trying to fit into a box that was the wrong shape. You know, so of course it was incredibly frustrating for all of us. And I think because of, I think that's where the chaos and confusion came from, you know, that we never, we didn't know to stop and think about our brains and how all of our brains were working. And we, we couldn't communicate. We couldn't um, work out problems. We were fighting all the time. We were judging Claire for not being able to do the things we thought she should do in the ways we thought she should do them. And um, which just made things a lot harder. So in the terms, in facets terms and the neurobehavioral model terms, we were seeing lots of secondary symptoms, you know, lots of secondary characteristics that come from when anyone is feeling frustrated and stressed all the time. So um, Claire was in high school at that point, and, and it was really a struggle. Lots of fighting, lots of um, sadness and pain. Yeah. I appreciate you both sharing this with me because I know a lot of people who are listening are in that state right now. You know, a lot of those families or those people who have an FASD or another brain-based diagnosis, they're in that state. Like, like Claire, like you were saying that they don't know how to ask for that help. So I, I'm really thankful that you both are sharing your, your story today, because I think this will help others in saying, you know what, I, I can relate to what they're going through, or maybe I am going through what they went through. So Claire, when you first received your diagnosis and your family first learned of your diagnosis. Can you just talk a little bit about what you were feeling at the time? So 
right after my diagnosis, I felt a lot of relief because I knew that I wasn't alone and that there was something out there that could definitely help me have help in the future. Um, but it was also a little bit scary because at the time I wasn't living with my parents. I was like off at boarding school. And so I didn't really know what was going to happen because we weren't together. And then after I came home and we spent more time together, we were able to like talk and work through it and figure out what worked best for me. So it was just, it took a while, but eventually. That's great. And I really appreciate hearing that because I think, I know when we went to facets training as a family, I was like, okay, give me my answers. <laughs> you know, Okay. I'm ready. Tell me what I got to do. And it's not like that. And, and what you're saying is exactly reinforcing that it's not like that. It's a very gradual transformation. And, um, the relief is huge. I know that as a family, you know, when we learned of our son's diagnosis, it was a relief, you know, and, but it was also scary because you don't know what's going to happen next. So I'm just so thankful, Claire, that, that you're sharing that. Lynn, do you want to add to Claire's insight? I mean, I think she's spot on for us too. You know, it was um, that, that kind of chaos and confusion that we were both talking about had led to us not being able to live together. And that was really scary, you know, to be in that situation. And I think something that I'm really grateful for is that we had the time while Claire was at boarding school that year to work through, okay, what does this mean for our family? You know, what does this mean for Claire? How does Claire's brain work? You know, how do, what are we learning about her in particular? Like you said, there's not a cookie cutter, you know, okay, so now we know and we can do one through 10 and everything will be easy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way, but there was a huge sense um, of hope, I think, that there was a way to move forward that was different than how we had been living for a really long time. Um, and, and also a lot of grief, I think, I would add for me and, and my husband as well, realizing now, we had spent 16 years trying to parent in a very traditional way, doing the best we could. I mean, I try really hard not to beat myself up too much, you know, especially now, seven years later, we've, I think we, we were all doing the very best that we could do at the time. And it was a disaster. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And so there was a lot of grieving to do as well and forgiveness, us forgiving ourselves, um, forgiving each other, us asking Claire to forgive us for all of the things that we did that actually made life so much harder for her and um, the ways that we judged her. The, I mean, there was big, big work that had to happen in all of us to really process, okay, 
let's look back at the past with this new lens and look towards the future. So, yeah. I, I love you're saying that, Lynn, because many guests on, on our show have shared that there's there's grief because of how you tried to traditionally parent, you know, in the world mm-hmm. traditionally parents, but obviously we don't. There's relief because like Claire said, you found out, you found this way, you, you're learning and you're not alone. That's huge when you know you're not alone. And then I think also what you're adding to is having grace for each other. You have to have grace for yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to have grace for your loved one. And that's, that's huge in this journey. So um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you both are sharing that. So, so Lynn, before we talk more about this journey, when did you first hear about facets? Was it before or after you had received Claire's diagnosis? Yeah, so interestingly, I hooked up, picked up what we call the little purple book in our family, mm-hmm. Diane's book, you know, um, actually at a friend's house, really looking at FASD for her family because she had begun to suspect that her daughter had FASD. And so I started reading about it and researching it then. And at that point, really recognized one of our other children as I was reading it. Um, And I think this is such an important thing that we talk about at Facets all the time. You know, people are people and each person is unique. And FASD is a spectrum, right? Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and it affects everyone differently. There are some commonalities, some things that can kind of be a roadmap for us. But um, I think because of the way it presented in our other daughter, I didn't, we didn't recognize it in Claire at the time. So we had been reading Diane's work and other work and really um, doing a lot of research and changing our parenting and our life in a lot of ways for our other daughter. But she and Claire are very different and they, their brains are very different, even though they're both affected by um, fetal alcohol. it's not the same, you know? And so it actually took a while for us to recognize that, oh, this is FASD too, (laughs) you know? This is also what FASD looks like. And and then begin to look at it through that lens for Claire and in Claire's life as well. Um, So all of that was sort of on my own trying to just sort through our family, you know, and our life. And then as things began to settle a little bit in our family, as we did our best to implement the neurobehavioral model and and start really looking at the world through that paradigm, I realized I really needed a lot more training. So it wasn't until it was probably a year and a half after Claire was diagnosed before I went to my first training at facets. And then the ball really started rolling for me as well. I think it's helpful that I'm a social worker as well. So Diane's language matched mine perfectly. You know, it was, we talked about that in episode 81. And if you want to listen to Mm. episode 81, go back and listen to our first conversation. Um, And (laughs) I'm, you know, it's really interesting uh, too, Lynn, because 
you and I, we did the in-person training, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. having the accessibility of having it online is just, oh my goodness. It's there's, there's really no reason why. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It It is is. a game changer. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Claire, after your mom did the, the facets training and after you all started like putting things into place to help with things like executive functioning and, and, and things like that. What did you start seeing in your family that was becoming more helpful for you? Um, it felt like more of a family because we were working for things together. Like, instead of them being like, why didn't you do this? They would be like, Claire, this hasn't been done. What, what's going on? And I'm like, well, it's because I forgot. And then they would give me grace and we'd work through it together. So it was a lot more fun and fun as in fun, but also I feel like helpful and I don't know, welcoming and warm and inviting to be able to know that my parents were like trying to help me and trying to help themselves. And so, yeah, it just felt like more family. Mm-hmm. That like makes my heart warm. That, that <laughs> makes my mama heart warm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and Lynn, how about you? I, I can, I can see the look on, this is an audio podcast, but the look on Lynn's face says it all. She's just <laughs> hearing that yeah. she and I had the same reaction that, wow. Yeah. I think, again, I think Claire is spot on, you know, it was like all of a sudden we were on the same team, you know, we weren't working against each other. We weren't fighting each other for some goal that someone had set, you know, but we were able to listen to each other and, and get curious. You know, I am, when I'm doing facets trainings, I often like to say that curiosity is your superpower, you know, observing instead of interpreting behaviors and when things don't make sense to stop, like Claire just said, and say, what's going on? This doesn't make sense to me, you know, rather than punishing behavior, being curious about brain function and how that impacts behavior and, and letting behaviors be the kind of clues that let us know that something is a poor fit. Um, Yeah. I think, I think what she's saying is right. We, we've always loved each other fiercely and been deeply committed to each other and, and never giving up. But for the first time, it wasn't such a fight, you know, it was, yeah, because we were working together. And I know somebody out there who needs to hear this is hearing this and, and, and thankful. This episode, this is, this is definitely going to be one that you'll want to listen to again. And Claire, can you give an example? We're talking about supports and accommodations and how your family supported you and still supports you. Can you give an example of either an accommodation or something that really helped you? Um, you know, once you really got knowing how your brain worked and, and things, because I know there are parents listening that are thinking, okay, well, this is something I have to do. That's going to be just like really too much for me. But I I share that accommodations can be very simple. It can be very much like just reminding or, or writing something down or anything. Can you give an example of something maybe that your mom or your mom and dad did that was really helpful 
in, in supporting your brain? Well, I can think of one that they did without either without me knowing or without them knowing. I don't know if this happened before or after, but they would always come with me to like any doctor's appointment, to talk to anybody and anything. And they still do that to this day because I just cannot remember anything. It goes in one ear and out the other. And so they'll always open to coming with me for anything so that they can help re-relay the information and not so that they like take over the appointment. They literally can just sit there if they don't want me or if I don't want them to talk. They're just there to help me remember. I am so thankful you're sharing that because that's something we do with our son. And he always says the same thing whenever someone asks, you know, is it okay that your mom or dad in here? He's like, yes, they're going to help me explain what's going on. And I am so thankful you're saying that. I keep saying thankful a lot, but that's a wonderful accommodation. And I know so many teens and young adults who have their parents or or guardians just have somebody come along with them so that, you know, when you're in a doctor's appointment or when you're in any type of appointment, there's a lot of information coming at you and it's kind of coming at you quickly. So having somebody there just to help relay or just, you know, remind, oh, what, what was that I needed to do again? Or what's that next step? That is such a great accommodation. Yes. And I, I think I agree. And that's, that's actually an accommodation. I think anyone should be doing because especially like if, if you're going to the doctor and if you're, you know, getting big news or something, that's a classic accommodation that works for everybody. And especially for people with brain-based diagnoses. So, ah, I love that. I love that. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I love, love to talk about people's strengths and your mom is very, and your dad and your family are very proud of you. Your mom is especially um, proud of you and wanted me to, to, to ask you a little bit about what you're doing now and some of your accomplishments now, because I think your journey will give a lot of people hope. So can you share a little bit what you're doing now? Some of the things you've accomplished I just graduated from UNT with my bachelor's in psychology. Congratulations. Spring. Thank you. I right well, now. With, hmm? What, um, oh, ma- what did your diplomas? Yeah. What did your diploma say, oh. Claire? <laughs> it said <laughs> magna cum laude. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm awesome. Congratulations. Happy. Thank you. That is okay. That is quite an accomplishment. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So now what are you doing? I am taking a look at different master's programs and looking at what that track will be like in the future. And then I am currently working for Baylor Scott and White um, as a receptionist in one of their departments. Very cool. And fun. So wow. That's awesome, Claire. See, and that right there, you are like a beacon of hope. For me listening, for for me talking with you, for anyone who's listening, you show how you found your strengths and you found something that you love and you are thriving in it, you know. And I think for so many people in the FASD community it's that surviving, 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 and then boom, when you change the way you look at the brain and you change the way you look at you and your strengths and your family, then you go from surviving to thriving. 
So your story says that. And, and Lynn, again, I, you know, the, the look on your face, I, I know, I know you're just so incredibly proud and, and thankful and, and blessed mm-hmm. about Claire's yeah. journey. She is an extraordinary young woman. I mean, like I said, she, her whole life has been working really, really hard. And in so many ways, we and the world were really standing in her way and making things much harder for her. Um, It makes me think about something again, that we talk a lot about at facets, how it's different for everyone, you know? Um, But when you were asking Claire about accommodations, what immediately came to my mind was that Claire's goal was to go to college. And honestly, we kind of tried to talk her out of it. (laughs) We're like, we've been fighting over school for 12 years. Maybe we should take a break. (laughs) You know, maybe school isn't what we need to keep doing right now. Um, But she knew what she wanted to do. And, And it took a few semesters anyway, for us working together, um, we realized that Claire really needed me to come to her advisory appointments with her. And at one point we said, okay, we're only going to pick classes that start at the same time every day. We don't even care what the classes are. We just need a regular schedule. <laughs> you know, that's what's going to help Claire be able to um do what she wants to do and reach her goals. And ultimately Claire realized again, I hope I never, ever again, tell Claire that I think it might be a good idea for her to try something other than what she wants to do. Cause she always accomplishes whatever she wants to do, but she realized that working full time and having the structure of a full-time job and going to school part-time and mostly online really worked better for her that she was able to really flourish in school with that set of environmental structures around her in a way that I never would have come up with, but she did and just accomplished this incredible goal. Um, And because we were able to work together, you know, it's, it's so it's what every parent wants, I think, to be able to see their children living life fully and enjoy. Not that everything's easy, you know, there are lots of challenges and struggles just like for everyone. So Lynn, it sounds like what you're reiterating and what Claire has so beautifully shared is that when families work together and when there's more understanding and when you dig deeper about what you need. So, you know, for example, structure, same routine, same thing. You can really let your loved one's superpowers shine, you know, and in Claire's case, they like shown, oh my goodness. (laughs) I just, I love hearing your, your journey, Claire, because it gives me hope. And I know that it's been a hard journey and I, I appreciate that it's been a hard journey, but I, there's a lot of hope in your journey. And um, so I always say, and um, this is something that I think is really important, that the voices in the FASD community, the ones that are the most important are individuals with an FASD. I think that we learn best from you. And I want to give you the microphone now. And I want you, if you 
you know, so graciously can just share what do you want our listeners to know about life with FASD and how this change that your family did helped you go from challenges, chaos, like you said, and and struggle to a lot of accomplishments. What do you want people to know? I think primarily I would like people to know that it just takes a little bit of empathy and some time and some patience and some willingness to be able to try. And I don't want to say understand because I don't think that people who don't have FASD can truly understand what it's like to have it, but to be able to just walk with somebody in their journey and not everybody's journey with their own diagnoses is going to look the same as somebody else's. And so I think just being open and willing to listen and also like, I don't know, let us or people with FASD also have a voice in how people can better support us, even when it may not seem like we know what we're talking about, because sometimes we don't. But I think just being able to be there and, you know, have somebody take the time to listen. Amazing points. And I love how you said to walk along with someone. That right there is so key when when we walk with someone in their journey and we learn from them that way. Your wisdom is giving us insight on how we can better support people with FASD. So thank you, Claire. That's I love I love that feedback. Lynn, what do you want people to know about how this transformed your family? Well, it's such a big question. Natalie, um, you know, I've been thinking, listening to Claire talk um, just now in answer to your question, I think, isn't that what we all want as humans, you know, to have people do what Claire was just saying, um, that we would be able to listen to each other and have empathy and walk alongside each other and, and give each other the benefit of the doubt, you know, that there's, maybe we all do know more than we think we know about what might work or what might not work. Um, And that's something that we talk about at facets a lot when, and it's very true to my experience ongoing experience with the neurobehavioral model, the more I learn about it and the more I kind of steep myself in it, the more I think it's actually just a model for how to be human in relationship with other humans. You know, it's about who we live with, who we work with, how we can be curious and non-judgmental and supportive of each other and make space for each other, um, regardless of how our brains work. You know, we, we believe at facets that all brains are different and it doesn't really matter what your diagnosis is, or if you have one or don't have one, if, if the world could be a place where we would all look at each other as unique individuals and really get curious and look for each other's strengths 
I mean, what a different world we would live in, you know, how much healing and wholeness would there be in this world? And, and I think we've experienced that as a family on this journey. Um, you know, all of our kids are very different. Everyone in our family, including Jeff and I, we all have very different brains. We have all learned about our own brain-based conditions, you know, ways that our brains work differently and challenges that we each have. And um, it's really transformed who we are as people in the world and as a family, of course, but um, it's, it's possible. It's really hard work as well. I mean, it's not an easy path to choose for sure. It's, it's hard to stay curious and stay patient. And we all have to do our own individual work as well, healing ourselves in order to be able to do that work. Um, which is something that we talk about at facets too. I mean, we're not, we're not a group of therapists, you know, we're not having group therapy sessions, but we know that we have to look at ourselves and our own triggers and our own values and our own emotions in order to be able to stay curious and patient and all of those things. So in a lot of ways, I, I tell people all the time that Claire and my other girls are really, they are the people who have shown me the path and have turned me into a much better version of myself because we were desperate, you know, what we were trying wasn't working at all and we needed a new way. And by so much grace, we found Diane's work and the neurobehavioral model, and it was just a perfect fit for us. I am so, so thankful to be able to speak with both of you today. And this is a perfect like ending episode of the season of Facets Fridays, because this is really just bringing everything that we've talked about in the past over year uh, through Facets Fridays into this beautiful you know, this beautiful finale of how the the brain-based parenting, how the neurobehavioral model transformed your family. So um, once again, I will be listing information. If you want more information about FACETS training or to get in touch with Lynn, I'll be listing that information in today's program notes, as well as our social, social media posts. Um, so this question is for both of you. You can, you can choose whoever wants to go first. I always end my episodes on hope because I know that hope is something very valuable on this journey, no matter where we are. So what words of hope do you have for families that are growing and trying to work together and need a new way to look at, you know, their loved one's diagnosis, their loved one's, more importantly, their loved one's strengths and who they are. So whoever wants to go first, um, what words of hope do you have? Okay. I want to go first because I want you to have the last word, Claire, because I have way too many words. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my words of hope would be don't give up. There is a way forward and it's worth it to do the hard work and it will look different for everyone, for every family, for every person. And it won't be easy, 
but there is beauty and joy. And if one other person gets to see their child flourish in the way that Claire is in her relationships and in her career and school and home and in all these ways, I'll be glad. I'll be glad. I hope that this episode makes people realize that they're not alone because you know, I guess not everybody listening to this episode will be, you know, at the same stage that we are in our healing and our journey. Some people might not even be willing or ready or open to make any change to where they are right now. Um, but I just hope that people realize that they're not alone and that we're here and it, it just takes time, but good time. And eventually with the work, it can be really beautiful. We are ending on those beautiful words of hope. Lynn and Claire Alsop, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for spreading hope. Yes, thank you so much, Natalie. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.